Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? Welcome to another 
Everyday Life series on decoding how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. Biblical principles from Genesis to Revelation. It's under our Everyday Life category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. In our first series of decoding, we looked at decoding creation, God's thought processes and patterns through creation from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And we arrived at a 10 principle combination that will revolutionize how you think. In this next series of decoding, we'll look at how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership through the life and story of Joseph, also from the book of Genesis. Joseph's life changed the course of Israel. It was through him that God preserved the nation of Israel. Israel wasn't yet a nation per se. It was just a family of 12 siblings. The letter grew into the nation of Israel in Egypt. Some of the life principles we'll cover in this decoding series are our upbringing and past shouldn't define us. Knowing your purpose and calling is the best anchor to go through the storms of life. In life, we need favor and love with both God and man. There are no coincidences in life. God's justice system never fails. We'll also look at work and service, money, and how the economy of Egypt was built from the ground up. We'll also look at investing, saving, leadership, and management. Without further ado, welcome to Decoding Joseph. This is episode one of Decoding Joseph. Through the life story of Joseph, who was greatly used by God, we are going to uncover how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. So today, we begin the journey of uncovering God's thought processes and patterns 
through the life of Joseph. We hope this episode blesses your heart. So, open up your heart and mind and let's dive in. Welcome to episode one of Decoding Joseph, uncovering God's thought process and patterns through the life and story of Joseph. Now, it would be unfair for us to just jump into Joseph's latter part of his life, where we really start to see how God was working with him and all the principles that we can learn, that we can apply to our work, money, business, investing, and leadership, and so forth, without looking at some of the details of his upbringing and background. Because his background really is what shapes his future. So let's first lay a foundation with Joseph's upbringing and really try to see who this person was, what was his character? Because the character that we see him exhibit later on in his life when things hit the fan, I think we can deduce that that was probably embedded in him in his early, uh, in, in the earlier, you know, in his teens, you know, in his early youth and, and so forth. So, we shall have a better understanding of how things unfold for him later on by first really examining his background story. So Joseph is 17 years old when his, when his story is introduced to us. This is from Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. And it says, Joseph was 17 years old and he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, so he, he's a guy who worked. He's a boy who worked at this point. He's still a boy. He's not yet a man. And so it says he worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhar and Zilpah. So, but he also says something interesting. It says, Joseph reported his father, reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. Hmm. Now, were they selling some of these flocks to, off to the side for money and, and their father didn't know? Were they, were they tending to the flocks the way they needed to? Were they being obedient about the work that they were doing? The, the Bible doesn't explicitly mention what kind of bad things these were. But I think when we look at the life of Joseph, we start to see that the attitude with which he approached work, eventually we'll get to see that. And service, for me, tells me that the things that he was reporting to his father about his brothers were things that you wouldn't want to see in, in your workplace. Let's say maybe his brothers were slacking off or 
maybe he would there, there were certain schedules and, and and times within which the, the flock had to be moved from grazing uh to drinking water also to cleaning them up to uh you know all these things that you you do to to, to take care of animals and maybe his brothers weren't doing that now the way we see this story escalate the the distrust between him and his brothers which you'll see here in in a few minutes for me tells me that these there must have been something whereby his brothers were, were thinking we have to get rid of this guy because he is really messing up with our plot and so i'm 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 inclined to believe that i think it had to do with some dishonesty it had to do with you know cutting you know deals on the side you know maybe they were selling some some of the flock for a certain amount of money and and they would just pocket that so anyways this is this is the beauty about scripture sometimes is that it, it allows your mind to wander and think and have this imagination so that's what we know about joseph so the story starts off it says he was 17 years old he often tended to his father's flocks he worked for his half brother he worked for his half brothers he worked to them the sons of his father's wives and he reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing so that's the first part that we have about joseph then the next thing that the the, the scripture talks about it says israel who is joseph's father it says israel loved joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age he also made him a tunic of many colors or some of the translations say he made him a coat of many colors so we've already seen joseph's character he's 17 there's some things he doesn't argue with with his brothers the things that they were doing they were bad and and he he wanted to do things on the contrary now so now we encounter in joseph's story love because says israel loved joseph more than all his other children and he, he he did several things probably and one of the things that he did is that he made him a coat of many colors so now we we experience love love from a parent but what's interesting immediately we go from a story of love from 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 his father and immediately Joseph's story takes a nasty dark turn to jealousy, envy, and betrayal from his own family, from his brothers to be specific. So in verse 4, Genesis 37, it also says, his brothers saw that he was loved, and as a result, they hated him. So now we see that because of his dad's expression of his love towards joseph his brothers became jealous and envious of him and they hated him it says but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his other brothers they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him in fact it says they couldn't say a kind word to him 
So we started off with love and now we have hatred, envy and jealousy and betrayal from your own blood, from your own brothers. Now, this is still tied to the, to the story that, that, that we're saying. This is also very interesting for us to, to, to really know this. It goes on to say that Joseph started having weird dreams. And this made things worse for him. So, first of all, his, his father is expressing his love for Joseph. He has this very unique coat of many colors. Joseph is already telling on his brothers, saying, Dad, uh, the, the boys are not doing the things that you tell us that we should do. They're not being very honest. They're not doing this. And now he starts to have some weird dreams. And this is where things really start to go down the drain for Joseph. So it says, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Wow. Joseph told them, listen to this dream. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundles stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king? Do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. He goes on to say, soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. He said, listen, I have had another dream. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. He told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him and said, what kind of dream is this? What kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So now it's almost like Joseph has received a vision about his future. It has to do with leadership. Hmm, it's very interesting. But he, he quite, he also doesn't know, like this is new to him. You know, he receives this vision two times, almost like the second one confirming the first one. And now it's caused up a star in the family. Now the father is wondering, saying, boy, what are you talking about? What kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your, and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? So it goes on to say, then one time Joseph's dad sent him to go check on his brothers who were out there grazing the flock. So fast forward, as Joseph was approaching them, he didn't know he was in a rude awakening. He was in for a rude awakening. So it's one of those days, I think his brothers have had enough of him. Now, on this one day, the dad says, okay, go check on the boys, see what they're doing, see what they're up to. There's a lot of talks about how he got there and all of that, but let's just go fast forward. 
as Joseph was approaching them, he didn't know that he was in for a rude awakening. It goes on to say, now, this is Genesis chapter 37, verse 18. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Whoa. This is scary. This story has taken a nasty turn. This is a dark, dark turn. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Now, you can see there's jealousy, there is envy. I mean, it's just nasty. But then, but one of his brothers objected to this plan. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, Reuben was one of Joseph's brothers. When he heard of the other brother's scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. He said, let us not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let us, let us throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. But it says Reuben was secretly planning to come back and rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So kind of Reuben hears this and says, guys, let's not do this. Let's, let, us, let us not kill him. Let's just throw him into this empty pit and wild animals will deal with him. You know, he'll die. Some, something will happen to him. So then came their plan B. So it says, so when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic raisin from Gilead down to Egypt. So they've thrown him into this empty cistern, and now they're sitting down, they're eating, and now a group of uh, Ishmaelites coming from Gilead they were on their camels, they were bearing spices, balm, mar, and they were carrying them down to Egypt. So they decided to sell Joseph into slavery. So then this is verse 26. It says, Judah said to his brothers, what if, it says, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let us sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers are greed. So maybe, hmm, this Joseph is now, you know, he's, he's gotten away with being killed. But guess what? They're still not letting him off easy. 
says, let us sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. Says, so it goes on to say, so when the Ishmaelites who were Midianite traders came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. So this is how life can really turn around on you in one day. You were just going about your business and life starts to deal you some heavy blows. So Joseph is starting out. He doesn't know. He's just going out of business as usual. Check on his brothers. Take back a report. Now he's lucky they didn't kill him, but now he's been sold off. So it says now, but still the brothers faked his death by killing a god, dipping his coat that the father had given him into the blood and sent it back to their father. In fact, it goes on, it goes on to say, then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe, the coat of many colors in, 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 in this blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with a message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. This is, this is what his father is saying. This, yes, this is his robe. It's my son's robe. A wild animal must have, he, must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Since then, his father, Jacob, tore his clothes and dressed himself up in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family, they all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. He said, I will go down to my grave mourning for my son. He would say, and then he would weep. So you can see that the, the, the family atmosphere has, has changed. Now, people, uh, people back home are thinking, we've lost someone. But meanwhile, the Midianites that have bought Joseph as a slave for 20 pieces of silver, now they also arrive in Egypt and they also sell him off to someone else. So they sold him into Egypt. It says, meanwhile, the Midianite traders, when they arrived in Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, says Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. So the Midianites arrive there in Egypt, and they also sell Joseph off to this guy called Potiphar, who is an officer of Pharaoh, and Potiphar is the captain of the palace guard. So that's the backstory of Joseph's life. Now, when I was when I was reading through this, there was there, there were so many uh, life principles that I was just thinking about. There's so many things that are happening in between here, and let us go through some of the principles we can decode from Joseph's upbringing and his past, things that we can learn from the things that were happening uh, from, from, from when we know, okay, he's 17 years old down to this point of being sold off.
to Potiphar. Let us look at that. So what can we learn from Joseph's upbringing and past? I think for me, when with such an upbringing, with, with such traumatic events that happen is he sold off into slavery. Now, right after he sold off into slavery, I think it bears also looking at just the next chapter of his life. Let us quickly just go through the next chapter of his life. Uh, so some of the things that we see from his from the next chapter, what happens after he's sold off. And I think there will really help us to understand what are some of the things that we can really um, understand from, from his story. So this, this is what we know. So Joseph is sold off as we have seen. So now he's, he's, he's working as a, as a slave, as a servant in Potiphar's house. Potiphar is the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. Now, this is almost like a fast track. So we're going to first move forward. Because to better understand the principles, these principles that I want us to look at, that we can really take from Joseph's character and his upbringing and how our past shouldn't de define us, let us first read what happens in the next phase of Joseph's life and then let us come back and look at this, some of these principles. So now this is Genesis chapter 39. So now Joseph is in Potiphar's house. And this is how it reads. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Verse 3, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. It goes and say, from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Joseph's, uh, I mean, it says from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So now Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, Potiphar didn't, didn't worry about anything except the kind of food he had to eat. Wow. That is the story. That is, that is the record we have on this guy who is just sold from slavery, I mean, sold, sold into slavery by his own brothers. 
And now we are told that he arrives at this place and he starts to win. I mean, everything he touches is turning to gold. So I, I couldn't help but ask myself, what kind of attitude, what kind of attitude or what kind of person would go from dealing with such a traumatic instance, from dealing with such trauma in their own life to rising above the occasion, as we see, to be able to, that, that when we hear about their story, maybe one year in, a couple months in, we're reading that, hey, listen, you remember that guy that they sold off as a slave? He came in and he's now the manager. He is the second in command. Basically, he, he is shot up the ranks to the highest rank that you can possibly attain. And this guy is killing it. So then it bears to ask, let us look at some of uh, the principles, the things that we can learn from, from this guy. So one of the things that I, that I asked myself, uh, I said, so these are, this, this, this is all, these are all principles under one category which I'm, which we're calling our upbringing and past shouldn't define us. For me, when I read that from that, that up to the point where I read about this guy who's loved by his father, now his brothers have betrayed him, sold off into slavery, and now he's a slave and looking and hearing that he is now just killing it. I can't help but start to think that my upbringing or your upbringing and past shouldn't define you. There is clearly an attitude and strength and will to overcome his childhood and past that we see throughout Joseph's story as we shall tread along. So many things happened to Joseph that he had nothing to do with. Life dealt him some big blows. And somehow his attitude was always, I will not let this define me. And you, you will see this kind of attitude be defined uh, down the road as we go through his story. The, the first incident of being sold into slavery is just one of another really unfortunate things that happened to him and how he manages to rise to the top. So we are introduced to Joseph when things seem to be going well. He has, loving, he, he has loving parents, his dad sharing him with affection and love, but not too long after this betrayal kicks in. Jealousy, envy, and betrayal from his own family, from his brothers to be specific. Now, if you have been on this planet long enough, you know that, you do know that favor from one side can lead to hatred from another side. Favor from one person, let's say from your boss at work, can lead to hatred, to hatred from your own work colleagues. It happens. How do you deal with it? So in Joseph's case, we've gone from I'm jealous of you, I'm envious of you, to I hate you. And now I am going to kill you or I want to kill you. Like, I just want to take you out. 
it started from jealousy to 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 more envy to hatred and now to i want to kill you and i'm and i'm and i'm and i'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here um it's not hard it's not a hard thing to start developing feelings of envy and jealousy towards someone whose life seems to be going well and all these good things are happening to them it it has happened to me before it has i'm i'm just being you know vulnerable and and honest and transparent here when you look at someone's life and and things seem to be going well for them and and some sort of envy or jealousy starts to rise up in you it starts to come up on you let's just be honest i'm pretty sure i'm not the only one who has experienced this i'm sure you as well i'm sure that you've seen someone or you know someone and you've sized them up you have seen their progress the the, the progress in their life and in in your own evaluation you start to ask questions like why them what of me how come them i don't even see what makes them special you start thinking to yourself you, you start to even ask god you start to tell god you 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 start to say god if that person is doing that and has that and is married to them then i definitely should be all of that and more it's pride it's 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 a it's this feeling of making a conclusion based on five pieces of information that you have you don't know that you don't you do not know their whole life story you've just known them for 5 minutes you've seen the car they drive you've seen the kind of person they're married to they seem to be happy and all of a sudden you are jealous of them you're like why them what of me how come them i don't even see what makes them special how are they the manager of this of that company how are they the executive how come they live in that house it's a spirit of strife of envy of jealousy you would only be happy for them if you got there if you got to that place first before them and they came after you you know basically if they got the thing after you got yours so if that was the scenario you wouldn't have a problem with it let's just say if you know someone and let's say both of you have been planning saying oh man i would i would really love to drive that kind of car you know you know what i mean and that person gets to your dream car before you do or they enter your dream house before you do you know the first time you hear about any of these scenarios it is not human nature to spring up in you joy for them if you and somebody else have both been believing for the same thing and they arrive at it before you do your first instinct when they say is not to jump up and say hallelujah glory be to god thank you lord jesus thank you that that is not you know 
you 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 know these these a few moments where you're like, hmm, how about me? Where about me? Where is mine? <laughs> so, but you know what? This is exactly what got Lucifer, Satan, kicked out of heaven. He became jealous that Jesus was getting all the praise. Lucifer also wanted to be praised and worshipped. The best way that I'm learning how to snuff out those little, little things that start to come up in you when other people share good things that are coming up, that are happening in their lives, that might not be happening in your own life, is I've, I've personally made a conscious decision. I've become intentional about the moment someone tells me they are good news before I let those first, you know, uh, judgmental thoughts come up and try to compare. What about me? Where is mine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is I go on the, before I go on this evaluation tangent of them versus me and start asking God, How about me? I immediately just go to praising God for them. I really do. It felt unnatural the first time I ever really tried to do this, and now it's become part of me. I will immediately go to praising God for you. I celebrate you. I celebrate that person. I will, in fact, I will intentionally keep praising God and thanking God for them on behalf of them. I'll keep on saying, God, I thank you that you blessed my brother with, with, with a new house. I thank you that you blessed my sister with a new car. I thank you that you blessed so-and-so with um, uh, uh, this other brother of mine with this. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you, you just, I will intentionally start celebrating, praising God on their behalf. I'll bless, I'll, 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 I will thank God that he has blessed him with, and, and I will do it that day. I will do it the next day. I will, I will, I will keep on doing it until the moment that when I think about them and their testimony, and maybe their promotion, and maybe this great thing that has just happened to their lives, that there is no part in me that comes up with any kind of envy or jealousy to be like, oh, like, do they really deserve it? Like, what did they even do? Do they deserve to be in that place? What about me? I I just do not. I, I, I keep doing it and doing it until whenever their thought, whenever the thought of them and their testimony come into my heart, I, I actually, I am so happy and grateful for them. So, I just thought that I'll share that, you know, um, these are some of the things that we have to be practical about, you know, and it's encouraging when you do it that way, when, when you actually approach a situation like that. Um, you know, I, I will just tell God, I'll, I'll just say, Lord, I know you love them as much as you love me. And if you did that for them, I believe you can and will do the same for me. You know, Life is about being practical. It's one of those things that I'm learning. There are a lot of things that I'm learning that I'm just sharing. As the episode, as the series intro says, there's so many things that I've never really tried to figure out how to go principles. How can I apply them to my day-to-day -day living? I don't just want to be a Christian that just 
reads the Bible as this ethereal, uh, just a spiritual book or whatever. No, I want to apply it. I want to, I want to have it become second nature. I want it to drive how I live. I want my everyday living to be challenged and changed by what I by the principles that I learned. So there's a lot of things I'm learning on the fly. So I'm just saying that life is about being practical. We have to be intentional about doing such things. Your character as a person is a combination of such little intentionalities. You may not see value in you being happy for someone else who just got something that you really want, but trust me, that is the main um, antidote to the to that poison of jealousy and envy. I I honestly now that I'm I, I genuinely try to be happy for people, my friends. I I can't even imagine. Like if you found out that, just think about this. If you shared your testimony with someone, you're like, man, like I just got a new job promotion, or me and my wife, we just, uh, we just, you know, put down our last payment, or we just put, we just got approved, we're buying this property, this and that, and you shared it with them, just because you were like, God's just been good to me, I just want to share this testimony, and then just, just think about how you would feel if. You heard from someone else that the person you were sharing your testimony with was just talking. They were talking, you know, kind of negative about the things that you told them. And you find out that this person was saying, oh, um, you know, um, yeah, they came to me. They were bragging about it. You know, they don't even deserve a new house. Like, look at how, like, he doesn't even deserve the promotion. Like, he's not even all that. Like, he's. He's not smart enough. He's not this and that. How would you feel? It would crush you. It would be like, how can someone that I trusted, that I thought really loved me, really cared for me, how could they go and say those things about me? Wow, is that what they really think? Do they not want me to be to get a new house, to get a new car, to get married? You know, you know what I mean? So life is about being practicality. Life is about being practical. Your character as a person is a combination of such little intentionalities. In fact, this scripture for me is becoming a daily guide in my life. It's a scripture I try to keep at the forefront of my mind. It's from Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. And it says, little, it says, little foxes spoil the vine. Here's a few translations um, about, about this, this scripture. I really love it. It says, one of the translations says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards while our vineyards are in blossom. Somebody else says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. You know? And then I love this one. It says, catch 
all the foxes. Those little foxes before they ruin the vineyard of love. For the grapevines are blossoming. Wow. Catch all the foxes, all of them. Jealousy can be a little fox. You don't being happy for someone who just got a promotion, whether it's your colleague at work and you're just being envious and jealous of them. That is a little fox that will ruin and spoil your own vineyard. It's the little foxes that affect your character. Your character is, 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 is a combination of so many little things. And you do not have good character if you are not good in one area. Like, like you, you don't know, find, let me just say, someone who's good in all these things. They're good with money. They're good with this. But let's say um, they, they maybe cheat on their spouse. You know, they, they, they perform well at work. They, they care about the community. They do this. That's, that's one area. It affects your character. It's a little fox that affects your character. Maybe you are, um, you do all these other things, but you're just not good at sharing. You just don't have a giving spirit. You just, you just like to hoard everything for you. That's a little fox that can affect your whole, the vineyard of your character. You know, uh, let's just say you are, you are good. You love people. And there, but you are really bad with timekeeping. It affects your character. People will always be like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's good, but yeah, he never shows up on time. She's good, yeah, yeah, but she never shows up on time. So being late to events that people invite you to, not showing up on time, becomes a little fox that spoils the vineyard of your character. So it's such little foxes like being envious of people, as we see with Joseph's brothers who are doing well in their lives and things are going well for them that can also block your blessings from God. This is so, so powerful. I cannot stress this enough. The little foxes that spoil your own character end up blocking your blessings from God. You see, God loves all his children the same and he desires to bless all of them. But, but God also does this thing where he tests the heart of man to see what's in there. It's not God doesn't test us because he doesn't know what's inside of us. No. In fact, the scripture says in Psalms 139 that you know my down seating. You know my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. It says, you know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul. Wow. I love this. I love this, this version. It says, you perceive every movement of my heart and soul. And you understand my every thought even before it enters my mind. So that's already showing you that God's, God's kind of watching for your heart. He's, he's watching saying, this is someone that I want to do business with because God looks for people to do business with. That's how God does business. He, in fact, it's scriptural. It's from first Chronicles chapter 28, verse nine says, uh, it says, 
this one is is from yeah no, this is from uh uh second chronicles uh, chapter 16 verse 9 and it says for the eyes of the lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him so this is telling me that God, God is going, okay, I want to do business with someone today. I want to bless someone. I want to bless someone's business. I want to bless someone's marriage. I want to bless someone with an opportunity. But then he looks around and you, your heart posture has just been having these little hidden jealousies and envy towards your friends, towards your work colleagues. God doesn't do business that way. God is all about the heart. In fact, in, in Solomon, when David, when King David was passing on the baton to Solomon, his son, to, to become king, he told him something that is, it, it really goes to show us God's thought process and patterns. This is literally applies to what we're talking about. This is from First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. David told Solomon this, he said, As for you, my son Solomon, Know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. He says he understands all the imaginations of your thoughts. Another place, another translation says, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. The Lord sees every heart and, and knows every plan and thought. So, whereas you might be happy on the outside, trying to fool everybody that you are, you are happy for them on this, the Lord is actually seeing the little foxes that are spoiling your vine, the little foxes that you're letting up in there, you know, jealousy envy and and if he sees that he's not going to do business with you because he says the eyes of the lord run to and fro the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him so you see god is all about the heart so you can't afford to be letting all these little foxes come in and mess up your vineyard of blessing wow there that was that was a lot so i'm going to let you meditate on that check yourself if you've got if you've got some little foxes that you're saying okay no this is a little fox this this is messing up my you know the vinet of my blessing the vinet of my character you know just go just go um empty yourself just go repent or um yeah, just ask God to help you. You want to be genuine. You do not want to be the kind of person who smiles in public. But once you leave in private, you're filled with envy, jealousy, hatred um, towards other people that actually think that you care for them. No. This, this is a huge character. This is a huge character point. Because a lot of people show up at the office and they've got all these hidden jealousies, envies, judgmental thoughts towards their work colleagues. It is not fair game. 
you might think that you're doing it to to them and you're not doing it to someone else but uh or maybe by sitting on it and brooding over it in your heart that no whenever whenever the eyes of the lord are running to and from the ass when he wants to bless someone every day he just goes past you he does like ah your heart posture sorry honey sorry dear sorry sir i don't do business with such heart postures there you go the blessing bypasses you he comes back the next day oh yeah you've got too many little foxes running around your vineyard sorry cannot do business with you so i just want to encourage you to really go meditate on this and then we shall pick up on other principles regarding how our upbringing shouldn't define us our character uh things that we can learn from Joseph, from hearing about someone who started out uh, being loved, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery. But now we see him go from a servant to basically Potiphar's right-hand man. Thank you for tuning in. See you in the next episode. This was episode one of Decoding How God Thinks About Work, Money, Business, Investing, and Leadership through the life and story of Joseph from the book of Genesis. In the next episode, we will talk about the next set of principles we can learn relating to how we can overcome our past and background, no matter what it may look like, just like Joseph did. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Told me hit the road, you said I gotta go Sent you something for the souls, and I gotta let them know Enemy coming like wolves, and I gotta stay woke But I ain't never gotta fear, cause same power that rose Lives in my soul, yeah If you send me, then I'll run the
If you send me, then I'll.